So tonight we are going to look at uh, what we would call the will of God. I'm going to, actually I'm going to slow down a little bit. I think I've been going probably too, probably too fast. A lot of these attributes is probably good if, if I would have uh, taken a little more time to describe them a little bit more in detail just to have a better, uh, a better understanding. So uh, my apologies for that, but it's uh, better late than never, right? So I'm going to just slow down on it, even if it just means a, a shorter time, time frame, but just to kind of, uh, just to kind of understand these, these, uh, these attributes a little bit better. So tonight we're going to look at uh, the will of God. We are in the character of God, and tonight we are going to look at the will of God, and this is according to His uh, His purposeful attributes. Yeah, yeah, last week it was the moral attributes, the you know, the, the the characteristics that teach us how, how to discern from right and wrong, and these are going to be the purposeful attributes, characteristics that have to do with making and carrying out decisions. Uh, we're going to see it from God's perspective, and then we're going to see how we apply it as well in our lives. And I think that probably all of us have been at a point where we we wonder about, you know, the will of God. What is what what is the will of God, right, for my life or or in a certain situation? And so when we look at purpose, uh, it, purpose means that it's a reason for which something is done or created. It's a reason of why something exists. And that's what we're going to try to determine now. Of course, again, with any any subject when it comes to God, somebody can get really exhaustive. And I mean, you can just you can go on and on and on, and, and you can you know even split hairs. And and uh, but we're just going to try to get a general you know a general um, understanding of this, and hopefully it'll it'll answer a lot of questions. So the will of God. Uh, number one would be basically, in a nutshell, God's desires, His intentions, or His purposes. That's just going to basically summarize the the will of God, right? Now, God's will is characteristic of God, whereby He approves and determines to bring about every action necessary for the existence and activity of himself and all creation. God's will has to do with deciding and approving the things that God is and does. It concerns God's choices of what to do and what not to do. So I'm sure you have heard the phrase of people say everything happens for a reason, right? Something happens and and some the individuals say, well, I, I don't know why it happened, but everything happens for a reason. And it does happen for a reason. But if you pay close attention, most of the time when either we have said it personally or someone else says it, there's no digging to try to figure out well, what is that reason. Years ago, I ran into a, a friend of mine who he was a welder and he was welding inside of a inside of a pipe. And I guess there was fumes in there, but the pipe, uh, it, it, uh, there was a combustion and he got burned and he just about didn't make it. 
And I had heard about it, but I hadn't ran into him. And I ran into him one day about about a year later. And we were talking. And he said, you know, I don't know why I'm still here, but I know that there was a reason for it. There was a reason that God saved me. And, I mean, ultimately, we know that that reason is to glorify God. And I believe that God spares a lot of our lives a lot of the time so that we can see his goodness so that we can see the opportunity to come to repentance or to get right with God. And in turn, we live a life that glorifies God. That's why God spares us a lot of the time or he has a reason. But the thing is, is a lot of times there's no there's no seeking after what's the reason that that certain situation may have happened. And you have a situation like, what was it in 2019, August, I think, when that shooter was here and Matter of fact, yesterday in in Colorado, that shooter, and so you have people asking, why, why did that happen? Why would God allow that to happen? And a lot of people end up getting angry because of it, and a lot of people turn away from God, or maybe somebody loses a loved one, and they say, well, why did God allow that to happen? Or um, a Christian ends up with an illness that's, uh, that's fatal, and something bad happens, and the worst happens, right? And they just turn away from God because they don't understand the will of God. And there's so much that, that goes into that. But everything does indeed happen for a reason. And we're going we're gonna to look at the different aspects of the will of God. Of what God desires. Uh, what He intends to do, His purposes in, in our life, right? In Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 11 and 12 says, In Him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. Now we clearly see that it says there that He works all things, not some things, but every single thing, all things according to the counsel of His will, of His desires, of, of His purpose. Now, it's, it's good to point out that God is not the creator of evil, but there is evil out there as a result of sin. And there is times where God allows evil because of certain things, right? There's free will, which we're going to look at. Now, can God stop all of these things? Absolutely, He can. But what would that do in the area of our trust or, or obedience or faith when it comes to that matter? I mean, God could take away so many situations from us, but how is that going to make things better, right? Revelations chapter 4, or Revelation chapter 4, verse 11 says, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So when it comes from the aspect of the world, Revelation 4 clearly shows that he created these things, and they exist uh, according to his will, according to his will and his good pleasure. From the very beginning, all the creation 
uh, from the separation of the darkness to the light and, and the water and, and everything else, the trees and even the creation of man. It was all done according to His will. Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 2 says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the arrangement of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. So this would be according to government. It shows us that even in our uh, government system, God has ordained that. Even in today's day and age, right, where a lot of us are not too happy with the current person we have in office, but we know that God allowed him in there according to his will. Now, there's a lot of, a lot of they would call themselves conservative Christians that say, well, no, he cheated. Well, I mean, God knew about that scam, even if there was a scam, and God still allowed it. And there comes a point where if you can't accept that or receive it, then you're basically going against the will of God. And it clearly says at the end of, of uh, Romans 13 that those who resist bring judgment upon themselves. So a lot of times things that happen in our life, we would know that it's not necessarily God's will because he just wanted to do that, but it was, uh, as we're going to see in a minute, the necessary will of what was brought upon us. I mean, why is it so easy for a person to uh, like the person that's in office and they'll pray for them, they'll praise them, and they enjoy them, but when it comes to someone they don't like, then they're not happy with it. And as I shared one day when we were in prayer, then if that's the way that it is, then you might as well put on a cloak of, of a hypocrite because that's basically what it is. I mean, there's no two ways about it. If you can pray for, for the previous president, then we can definitely pray for this president. Now, the perfect opportunity on how we pray is there for us because nobody can control how we pray. And when we pray, there's a perfect opportunity to pray according to God's will, not according to what America desires or, or, or uh, any particular party, but according to God's will, pray in that manner for this man. Now, ultimately, if we say, well, he's an ungodly man, well, we need to pray for his salvation. And we show by doing that that we respect God's decision to allow him to be there. Now, even in that and all the foolishness that's coming from it, God is trying to, he, he's doing something. He's doing something in that as well. You can even look at uh, the death of Jesus on the cross and every single act that entailed of it from the pulling of his beard and every single thing. I mean, he didn't receive one flog too many or one too less. I mean, everything God willed it. Acts chapter 4, verses 27 through 29 says, For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Now, the the apostles are praying to God and they're asking him for boldness because 
it's they're they're starting to be even uh, a rising up a persecution if you will against him at that point so they're saying god give us boldness so that we can speak your word and clearly they say that uh, all these things that uh, they came pontius pilate uh, from the releasing of barabbas and and everything else were a couple of weeks away from celebrating Easter and remembering that, but every single thing that happened, the people who turned on him, every single thing happened according to the will of God. He determined them before the very beginning of time. Now, when it comes to the life of a believer, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 17 says, For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil so clearly right there if it is the will of god to suffer sometimes a believer is going to suffer sometimes a believer is not going to suffer now in the middle of all that can we cry out to god and ask him the desire of our heart lord could you remove this from me absolutely that is a privilege that we have as a christian but then we know once we ask that that god whatever your will is let it be done now, should I have to endure this, this torment or this affliction or this oppression? Then God, give me the grace so that I can go through it uh, as a believer should, that it would reflect uh, your glory and bring glory to you. First Peter chapter 4, verse 19 says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good as to a faithful Creator. Again, we see the same thing. James chapter 4, verse 15 says, Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or do that. But now you, now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is accounted as sin. I mean, as, as we read the Word of God, it's pretty clear cut it's plain it's right in front of us we saw the clarity of scripture it's easy to understand anything that we know is right we should do it and we don't do it automatically we know that that's sin on our account and and uh but when we talk of doing things as a believer we want to see it in a sense that if, if god wills if this is god's desire for tomorrow or, or whatever situation uh, then then let it be done, rather than to say this is going to happen or that's going to happen. Same thing happens in, in our relationships and whatnot. Now, it doesn't go in the sense of a marriage that somebody says, well, if it's God's will for me to, to um, act right with my spouse, then let it be done. No, because the Bible clearly tells us when we read Scripture, now that's clear cut and put that we are to love our wives and honor our husbands. Same, same kind of warning goes for the children to honor their parents. And for the parents to not provoke their children to, to, um, to anger. Now, when it comes to the will of God, again, this would raise up a question or a flag. Does this include evil? Is, is evil the will of God? It, God, does again, does not create evil, but he does allow evil to happen. A lot of times it, 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 things happen upon a believer's life, again, because of, it's a form of judgment. Sometimes it is just self-affliction. I mean, if we go out and live a life of drunkenness and, and, and we live a life of, of drug abuse, then 
obviously we're going to end up at some point possibly with cirrhosis of the liver or something that's a lot worse. Now, that was self-inflicted, but the Lord allowed it. But those were according to the choices that we made. So when we start thinking about all of these things, that's where you want to ponder, right? Because the first thing that happens when something comes upon our life is we want to come unglued and we tend to go crazy and the mind goes all over the place. And we talked uh, a while back about the mind and it's you, to be clear like that spring of water, but then it comes and becomes troubled and agitated. And now it's like that stirred up uh, mud that it's so cloudy. And that's what happens in our minds when, when things happen. And now I can't think straight. I, I, can't, I can't speak right. And a lot of times that we stop and think about the will of God in this situation and recognize a lot of these attributes, as I said, and, and I wish that we would have stopped to go slower with the other ones. You start to put them together and you start to understand some. Now, a lot of you may, may have already had these characteristics of God instilled in your heart that you know Maybe you just had never heard them put in the terminology that we're using. I know for myself, a lot of these things, God embedded them in my soul. I knew they were there. I just didn't know how to explain them. But then when you hear them explained, exactly I can relate. That's why a person is so connected to a preacher when they preach a message that just it just resonates with their spirit and their soul. Why? Because it's like you're just pulling a transcript right out of my heart. But see, that's the thing. The good thing about God is that he puts this knowledge in our hearts. We may not completely understand it, but he puts it there. So we're going to look at the different aspects of God's will. There's different aspects. And the first one that we will look at is what would be called God's necessary will. And that's number two on your outline. And that would be that uh, this includes everything that he must will according to his own nature. The necessary will is everything that uh, God must will according to his own nature, according to his character, according to his word, according to who he says that he is. God does in that manner. Now, God eternally wills to be or wants to be who He is and what He is. He cannot choose to be different than He is or cease to exist. Now, according to God's character, in Exodus chapter 3, uh, God told Moses, I am who I am. And He said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. That statement is uh, continual. It doesn't stop. It, it is for infinity. I am. Well, there's so many characteristics that you can fill in that blank. I, I am sovereign. I am omnipresent. I am omniscient. I am so many different things. Now, when you understand those, then it's easy to figure out when something is correct when it comes to the Word of God or when it's not, because I know His attributes, but what you're saying doesn't line up with what I know about Him. That's when we know that's something that I'm not going to receive, right? The Bible says to test all things, to hold fast to only that which is good. So we know I can hold fast to this. That right there is not, so I'm not going to hold fast to that right there. When it comes according to God's promises, Numbers 23 Remember, 
Balaam and Balak, Balak hired Balaam to curse the children of Israel. And every time he tried to pronounce a curse, a blessing would come out. And Balak started getting frustrated and saying, what are you doing? I, I, I'm trying to get you to curse them. And he said, I cannot curse what God has already blessed. Now, this is according to his promises. And in verse 19, he says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. He has he said and will he not do or has he spoken and he uh, not make it good? God had a promise for the children of Israel since Abraham. He told him, I'm going to make you as great as uh, the sand of the sea. Your descendants are going to be great. You're going to be a mighty nation. Now, of course, you see the fingerprint of Satan wanting to destroy the Israelites through Balak, and he's wanting to use Balaam, but God was not going to have it. But you can go all the way back to Noah, and you see that with all the corruption in the world, they were wanting to defile the lineage of Jesus Christ, and God always made a way to, uh, to preserve it and to keep it pure. And you can see it going on through all the Old Testament up to the time that finally Jesus came. Now, when it comes to our actions, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 10, we touched on this, on this uh, a couple of weeks ago. He says, I, the Lord, search the heart, I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Now, you could call this uh, the judgment of God, a judgment that comes, and it's according to our ways. He allows us to do as we please. Just like we, he, we had the choice to show up here if we wanted to or not. We have the choice to live a sanctified life if we desire to or not. We have a choice to, to become holy as He is holy or not. There's so many. We have a choice. He doesn't force us. How would God get glory if we forcefully had to do these things? That would be like a woman forcing her husband to tell her that he loves her and to do all these things, but it's not coming from his heart. There's nothing there. God doesn't receive glory like that, so He gives us the choice, but there is consequences, and those are in the form of judgment. Okay, you did this. Now this is what's going to happen. Now, the biggest judgment is when people reject God. He gives them into their own way. And of course, that's where all the evil of this world is going on. I mean, this man yesterday who walked into that store, uh, supposedly he had an AR-15, shoots a, a, a senior citizen one time, stands right in front of him and just begins to unload the magazine some more on him. I mean, if that's not evil, then I don't know what else is. But God allows that because that's what people choose to do. This is the importance of why we need God. This is the importance of why we need to understand the consequences of sin, the repercussions of sin. I mean, sin is something, if, if we sit here today saying, I love God with all of my heart. I see what he has done for me. I see what he did that he didn't have to do. And he's so good and he's revealed himself to me. But because sin, he suffered so much, I should hate it. As I've said to people before, if you had a loved one, let's say that was your loved one. And that man who went and shot him point blank. Months down the road, would you become good friends with this man who shot your loved one? You wouldn't even think about it. And if somebody in your family did it, you would probably have something to say to him. 
But how is it that as believers sometimes we become very friendly and acquainted with sin? Now, I'm not talking about big mortal sin. I'm not talking about adultery or, or all these other things, but we're talking about small sin. Because remember, if we know what is right and we don't do it, then it's already accounted as sin. Anything that's not of faith is sin. I mean, sometimes there's just so many things that we can think of in there, and that's where we realize, look, I, I, yes, I need to abhor sin, and I need God to help me in this area because, yes, I, I'm prone to just kind of go the other way. Now, this is for exactly for our own good and for the glory of God. And it brings us to the next aspect, which is the free will. And this would be number three, and it includes all things that God decided to permit, but had no necessity to according to his nature. And just backstepping a little bit to the, to the necessary will of God. I mean, God has to do what is in his character. I mean, eventually he's, he's going to have a final judgment on sin, on the world. I mean, he has to. He cannot go against, right? He's not a man that he should lie. Now, of course, uh, there's there's so many other things. He's going to be faithful to his promises. He's, he's not going to neglect them. We can trust him in all of those areas. God does not fail us the way that we sometimes fail. That's why he's good. That's why he is God. So whatever lines up with this character, he has to continue with that. And that is where the necessary will of God comes from. But the free will are the things that God permits. And he had no necessity to according to his nature. Now, just as we can will or choose something eagerly or reluctantly, happily or with great regret in secret or in public, so also God and in the infinite greatness of his personal personality is able to will different things in different ways. Now, again, all of creation and the acts of redemption were of God's own free will. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to create this world. He didn't have to create the birds. He didn't have to create you and me. And he definitely didn't have to send uh, Jesus to die as atonement for us. That's something that was of his own free will. Now, when it comes to the free will of the believers, John chapter 7, verse 17 says, If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, right? The teaching, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. So clearly we see there that it's a choice if we want to, if we desire to do his desires, if we set out to do what he has set out for us, the first thing we shall do is to know according to the, to the doctrine, the teaching, whether it's from God. Again, remember, now I recognize, okay, this thing that I've been, I've been watching this ministry, or I've been listening to this person, or I heard this coworker, or what have you, it's not lining up with what the Bible says. What I've started to understand about God and his, and his characteristic. And somebody says, well, God's evil because he allowed a small infant to die or, or what have you. Then you know that what they're saying, their comments don't line up, but you understand by the free will of God or by any of the other aspects that just things happen. Now, that's our free will as believers. We have the choice where we're going to do 
his will or not. Now, it is a command from God that we would do his will, but we have the freedom, the ability to either obey or disobey. Now, we know that disobedience is not good. It's considered rebellion, and you can continue to go from there. But a lot of times we start to see that's why chaos is happening in our lives. But God is still such a good God that he would just, I mean, I mean, let me now. It doesn't mean that he's okay with it. It doesn't mean that that he's just going to give us a free pass. But what it means is he's just he is allowing it because then we know the characteristic of God's patience. He's patient. He's long suffering. He's he's merciful and he desires mercy over judgment. He desires that we would come uh, to repentance. And that takes us to the secret will. That's number four on your outline. and This would include all the things that God decides to keep hidden or to not reveal. All the things that God decides to keep hidden or to not reveal. Now, this is where we usually stumble and we fall because they're hidden. And we don't understand when things happen according to God's will. And we are prone to want to know things. I mean, we want to know what's going on. We, we, want, to, we, want, we want insight on certain things. So to trust in the secret will of God overcomes pride and expresses humble dependence on God's sovereign control over the events of our lives. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of His law. Now the things that are revealed, those produce or are to produce something in us, and that is obedience to His commandments. Because how can God expect something from us if he doesn't reveal it to us? So most definitely, if he expects it from us, he's going to reveal it. But the secret things, those things belong to God. And those are the things that sometimes we try to search out. This comes in a lot of different shapes and forms. I mean, people want to figure out how how is it that God moves when he heals people because I want to figure out that arena or how is it that he moves when it comes to um, to his, what, what theology would call uh, soteriology. How does it work? You want to have it all figured out. Why does this person come to Christ and this person doesn't come to Christ? Those are the secret things that we don't know. I mean, because this person tries, this one doesn't, but all of a sudden one day this person came to Christ and this one didn't. How do you explain that? Those are the secret things that belong to God. Now, according to the disobedience of Joseph's brothers, we see in Genesis chapter 50, in your notes, it's we put verse 19, but it's actually verse 20, so you can scratch it out if you want to. But it says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. So we see there the secret will. He didn't know what was going on at the time. He was put in a pit, had to go to jail, was taken away from his family, he was sold. But yet he said what you meant for evil, God meant it for good. Now, you see where there had to be trust 
in all that time frame. He didn't know what, what God was doing. He didn't know what was going to come out from it. But I just keep my eyes on God. I keep my focus on God. And that's exactly what happened. God meant it for good. And we see the outcome because we read it. So it's easy for us. And it brings us encouragement when we read that story. Well, I mean, look what happened to Joseph. And, and he didn't complain. And as a matter of fact, there was a lot of godly men who did complain. But when you look at the life of, life of Joseph, you don't see much if any, complaining there. He just, he trusted God. Now, you can start to see the, the symbolism or the type of Christ that's there in the picture and all of that. But how about when it comes to the circumstances in our lives? That would be Romans chapter 8, verse 28, that says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are the called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. To those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. I mean, every single word that's entailed in there is important because a lot of times people don't finish it. They just say all things work out together for good. And, and, and it sounds good and it gives people comfort, but it's a temporary comfort. It's a slight comfort because the rest of it says to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. And as, I've, as I have mentioned before, it doesn't mean that whatever you're seeking, just because it didn't happen right now, what's going to happen eventually it's going to work out for good. It may not be according to our understanding, but it's going to be according to God's good and perfect will. It's going to work out for it. Now, what we do in the middle of that is we trust them. And I mean, it, it's hard. It's hard to trust in those areas sometimes. It's hard to trust when you are, uh, in a sense, kind of in the darkness right now. We dwell in the light, and we may be in physical darkness, but it's the light of Christ that has shined upon our hearts, and, and, it, and it leads us, and it guides us, and we read the Word, which is right uh, a, a light unto our path, a lamp unto uh, our feet. And it helps us in trusting. It helps us in believing. And it takes us to the next one, which is God's revealed will. This is number five, and it includes God's clear will concerning what we should do or what God commands us to do. Again, this is the, the uncovered one. It's not hidden. It's made known. Because again, if he expects us to do it, then he's going to reveal it to us so that we can know what we need to do. In Matthew chapter 6, and verse 10, when we read the model prayer. Now many people pray this, and the disciples ask them, show us how to pray. And in verse 10, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, that shows us that even the way that we pray, we want to pray according to God's will, not ours. According to what he wants. And that's not always uh, what our, our carnal nature, that's not always the best prayer. It's not. 
I mean, to pray a prayer with whatever area you're struggling in, if you really want to battle in that area, be it anger, be it uh, a loneliness, be whatever it is, to say, God, help me in this area. Give me the grace to be strong, but until I, I, I'm able to even chip away at it, don't let me sleep at night. Don't allow me to think straight. Don't let me be at rest. Cause a restlessness to come upon my soul until I get on my knees and I continue to just pray and draw closer to you and do something about it. Now your carnal nature is going to say, don't pray like that. Shut your mouth. Seriously. Or when you're in, 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 in dire need and just say, okay, God, this is what I want, but God, let your will be done. And you know that it may be death. I don't want to pray that. And then somewhere in your head, you start to uh, remember this foolish teaching out there that they say, well, don't say it because if you say it, it's going to happen. Right? They talk about speaking things into existence or, or if you speak it, it's going to happen or you're speaking death. No, yes, there is uh, a life and death and the power of the tongue. That means you can build somebody up or you can tear them down, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to bring it upon you just because you said it once. Oh, don't say you have a headache because you're just giving in to the enemy. No, I have a headache. <laughs> and I'm going to take some aspirin. I mean, we see, if we want God to be real with us, we have to be real before Him. Uh, we're, we're frail people. We are made of clay. Uh, our bodies are decaying every day. We get headaches. I mean, we're getting, I'm getting older. My bones start to hurt. They start to pop, and it's like, what's going on? Yeah, I'm going to take some aspirin. But I'm not going to say, hey, don't say that, that your bones are cracking because then you're going to make yourself older. No. I'm getting older, I'm getting gray hair, I'm getting wrinkles, it is what it is. All it's telling me is that I'm getting closer to coming and standing before my Savior. So these are all the things that, that, that we begin to see. God works these things. All we have to do is trust Him. And so He teaches us, according to our prayers, how to pray that His will would be done. I mean, we can start putting a lot of things in this area. What about our kids? What about our kids? God bless them and, 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 and Lord, let them have a good day. And, and God just put somebody in their lives so they can minister and pray to them. And, and, and God just, that's what I pray for my children today. Is that God's will? Or would it sound more like, Lord, I know that they're living an ungodly lifestyle. I know that it's not pleasing to you. I know that it's not glorifying to you. So, Father, I ask you in all my trust, all my faith, because they belong to you anyways, Lord, do whatever you have to do today to disrupt their lives so that it will cause them to look to you and to call out to you, God. I know you're a good God, Father. I'm not wishing that, that anything fatal would come upon them, but God caused them, Lord, to have a stirred up day so that they would come to you. I'm not asking for peace in their life right now. I'm asking for the Prince of Peace, that they would know you, not that they would know this superficial peace. Those are the prayers that go according to God's will. It's hard to pray those things. It is. It's, it's easier said than done. Practicing what we preach is sometimes easier said than done. I've learned, especially being up here, 
It's easier to say things, but when you're in that trial, when you're in that affliction, oh, it's difficult. It is hard. I mean, I'm not, we love our kids. We, we rightfully should. If, if we don't love our kids, then something's wrong with us. I mean, women, you give, you, you, you carry them for nine months. Men, you raise them up. We should love them and care for them. But if we care for them, that's why we should be praying according to the will of God. Father, do whatever you have to do, Lord. I'm not so much concerned with their grades in school. I'm not concerned with their grade point average or, or if they're going to make it to a certain college. I'm concerned if they're going to make it into the kingdom of heaven. That's what matters, God. Those are the, that's the will of God. Those are the prayers that we're called to have as believers. Now, that's not popular in a lot of modern-day churches because they just want to tell you something good and bring your child to, to kids' ministry. And, and, and again, we, we'll just have a good time. We'll have snacks. We'll, we'll laugh and play games. But uh, it's time for the games to stop. Let's teach them and build them up because guess what? When they do become to that age of accountability, chances are they may be tempted to sway, but the Bible says that if they should depart, they will return. We need to instill that in them. This is all according to God's will. If this was God's secret will, then it would sound more like whatever happens will happen. We don't pray that. Your kingdom come and God, whatever happens today happens. No. That your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As a matter of fact, you, you start... The, the, the wickedness that's out there, because I remember a, a lady one time, and a friend of mine, but she came up with this supposed brilliant idea that the way she prays is, God, uh, your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So guess what? In heaven, there's no cancer. So that cancer that this person has to go. Now, if that's not a blasphemous thing, it is. Because you're trying to manipulate God to get your will done. That's not how it works. I'm with you. I want cancer to be gone. I want cancer to leave from a loved one or somebody else's loved one because I, to see the hurt in their souls, it, it hurts me. I've been in rooms where people are losing a loved one when I've been with hospice in many different other areas. I got a phone call the other day at 2.30 in the, in, in the morning. A woman just weeping and weeping and weeping because she doesn't have her children and, and her life has is, is been filled with drug abuse and everything else and she can't even talk because she's weeping. And what... What can you do? God, don't let me tell her what I want to tell her, but she needs to hear what, what you want her to hear, God. I mean, there comes a point where there's people lost in this world, and yes, it gets frustrating for us. It, uh, for me, it does at times to see them continue, but let's not forget that the Bible says that Satan binds them and he will not let them go. But let's not also overcorrect and just see it all like that because we do have a choice to make. So there has to come a point where we break down and surrender and say, God, I'm going to give it all to you. But I break these chains that are upon me. Uh, uh, unloose me. So according to God's commands to obey. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 4 says, Who desires all men, talking about God, desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, 
not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now we see clearly there the revealed will of God that He desires men to be saved, all men to be saved. He's not willing that any should perish. That's not His will. However, the Bible is very clear that not everybody is going to be saved. Matthew chapter 11 Verses 25 through 26 says that at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. It seemed good according to your will. Romans chapter 9, verse 18. Therefore, he has mercy, God, on who he wills and on who he wills, he hardens. In those four scriptures there, you see a revealed will that God is not desiring that men perish, but at the same time, you see a secret will because we know not all are going to be saved. How do we know which ones? We don't. That's God's secret will. That belongs to Him. Now, we can get in a dispute whether uh, a, a salvation or if you're truly elected or predestined or not. It, none of it really matters unless you're truly in Christ. So our calling is to make sure that I'm in Christ and to make sure that I am walking his road. And it's just a daily thing. We don't worry about tomorrow because we don't, it's going to come with this, uh, with its own troubles. And we don't worry about yesterday because it's done away with. But today is what matters for every single one of us. But we see his revealed will and we see his secret will because we don't know. I think that there's going to be a lot of people when that day comes that sad in chairs that aren't going to be the ones that are making it up there. And I think there's going to be a lot of them who don't sit in chairs that are out there that are going to be up there. We're going to be surprised, I'm sure. But we're just called to be occupied in the things of God and to bring Him glory, to draw closer, to want to seek Him and to know Him more. Because if we know Him more, then I know how to display His character out to other people. I mean, it's really important. We're called to be uh, set apart. We're called to be sanctified. We read this past weekend. How are we supposed to be separate from everybody else? We're called to be separate. A different people, not not an arrogant people. Oh, we still mingle with the people out there in the world, because if not, then God would just have to take us out of the world. We still work with them. We still go to the grocery store and see them. Understanding God's revealed will that not all will be saved, also noting His secret will by not knowing which ones are going to be saved. Or should I say, understanding God's will that He wishes none would would perish. Now, I put a side note there because there's a danger in speaking about uh, evil events as happening according to the will of God. Even though we see Scripture speaking of them in this way, one danger is that we might begin to think that God takes pleasure in evil, which we know that He doesn't. Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 11 says, As I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. 
Turn, turn from your evil ways. That's what God desires. I desire mercy over judgment. He told the Israelites, oh, how long uh, I've, I've wanted to gather you like a, a hen gathers its chicks, but what? You were not willing. You didn't want to. Again, I'm, I'm a mere man. I, I received that phone call at 2.30. It's late. I'm tired. I'm sleepy. What am I going to talk to her for? No, she can call me during the daytime. And I just have to remember one time, Adam, you were like that. You were despairing of life at 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning. Who would you call on? How do you know this is not going to be the day of salvation for her? I don't. That's God's secret will. But I don't want to get in the way of that. Because if he wants to use me as a vessel, as a means, then far be it for me to say no. There's so many things that go through your mind at that time. It's one thing to minister to a person, but it's another thing to minister to a person who's despairing of life and says, I'm, I'm ready to end it all right now. To just think, is there something that I said wrong that caused him to go overboard and so many other things? This is a big calling that we have. Every single one of us is, as Christians, we have a very big calling upon our lives. And with that calling, we have an anointing. As sons and daughters of Christ, we have an anointing that, that uh, the Apostle John says it's anointing from God. And that anointing is going to empower us. It's going to enable us. It's going to drive us to do every single thing that we have to do for the kingdom of God. To be pleasing to Him. To bring Him honor. To bring Him glory. Yeah, we get tired and weary along the way. I used to be a real critical guy. And I would say, well, what does that preacher need a sabbatical for? It's not even in the Bible. What do they need a sabbatical for? Well, I was humbled real quick because it does get tiring doing this. It is overwhelming, absorbing the problems and the, the, the miseries, the burdens of other people. It, it's not something that, that, that one says, I wish I didn't have to do it, but it is overbearing. Think of the problems of your children when they come home and tell you it's overbearing. It's hard. Now, now the true man of God, people don't see him. They weep behind doors. They, they weep and they cry and say, God, I'm getting tired and weary, but, but help me. And he is our strength, of course. But see, there's a lot of things that that's why we have to sit and we have to consider God and we just have to think. We have to sit in the stillness, in the quietness, preferably for me in the morning when there is no distractions. No, no, no birds to distract you, not a car passing by, not a shadow, nothing to distract you, but to listen to the still small voice of God. I mean, read all the old great men of God and oh, they'll, they'll talk a lot about the morning, the morning, the precious time in the morning with God. As a matter of fact, uh, read uh, what King David would say, my Lord, my God, and my King, to you and to you only will I lift up my voice as soon as I rise up in the morning. Now, another danger is that we might begin to blame God for sin if we see evil being from Him rather than ourselves or to think that we are not responsible for our evil actions. Scripture, however, does not hesitate to couple statements of God's sovereign will with statements of man's responsibility for evil. 
Because there's an, there's an arena where you begin to just say, God is sovereign all across the board. Well, then I'll just put it on automatic pilot and just kick back. And God can't get mad at me because he's sovereign. He's the one controlling everything. But we have a responsibility as humans, as sons and daughters of God, to also do things that God expects of us. So when it comes to the will of God, the necessary will, the free will, the secret will, the revealed will, there's a lot there that we can take home and begin to think and say, why are these things happening? Some of them may remain a secret. But in those secret uh, things, we learn to trust God. We learn to become more obedient. We learn to be more faithful to God. I mean, the scripture says even of God that God is faithful, that even if we become faithless, he still remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. He can't deny himself. Now, a lot of times people are going to see that as well. See, God's still going to come through because he's faithful. Well, that can be the case, but God is also faithful to bring a judgment upon our life because he can't deny his word that he is a God of judgment. But also remember that God desires mercy over judgment. We are a witness to it because he should have judged us way before he decided to wait upon us and bring salvation into our lives. Those are the different aspects of the, the will of God. There's, there's, there's plenty there to, to think of and to ponder on uh, for the days to come. Again, maybe God instilled this in your souls and, and you know it already. Now words were just put to it. So maybe it does bear witness. Maybe it hasn't. Maybe now we can ponder it when it comes to our kids, when it comes to our relationships, when it comes to so many different areas. Next week, we are going to be looking at the purposeful characteristics still, and we are going to be looking at the attribute of freedom. So with that uh, being said, let's stand and let's pray. Father, we thank you for, for your will. It was because of your free will that you chose to create this world and put us in to live. You didn't have to do it, God. We thank you even more that as a solution for sin, you sent the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world to be atonement for the sins of all of those who believe and put their faith and trust in you, God. Father, we ask you to help us in this area of your will, that we would know your will, God, that we would seek after it. Most definitely, the the revealed will, which we know, God, a lot of it comes through your word. Sometimes it comes through your personal admonition. And Lord, when it comes to the secret things, may you help us to just trust in you, God, not to trust or lean on our own understanding, but to look to you, to acknowledge you in all of our ways, God, that it would create more wisdom. Father, may we never abuse our free will but may we make it a necessary will, God. It's, it's a necessity that I worship you. It's a necessity that I honor you, that I praise you, God. Every single one of us who's called a son or daughter, 
Father, continue to teach us and lead us and grow us for those who are mature. Father, we thank you for that and we praise you. May you continue to bring maturity there, God. But for those who are still growing, God, may you bring that growth, Father, because it only comes by your spirit and by your power, Father. But Lord, make our hearts willing and make it accessible to you, Father. So Lord, we thank you and we pray to you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen.